We're going to talk about some things concerning healing. No matter what you do with Healing Center or healing, everybody needs healing. Everybody's going to need healing at some point in your life. If you don't need healing now, you will. Everybody's going to have many opportunities to minister healing. You need to know how to minister healing, if nothing else, just for your children, your grandchildren, your relatives, hallelujah, plus all that, like Pastor said on Sunday. It's not a niche ministry. It's not a side issue like, well, our church prays for the sick and our church goes to the nursing home. Nursing home would be considered a niche ministry. But healing is a ministry for all Christians. Because to all Christians, in Mark 16, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And He said to all Christians, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And as long as there's a devil, and there will be until we get raptured out of here, then there's going to be need of healing. As long as there's a devil, there's going to be sick folk out there that need healing. Hallelujah. And it's such a privilege for us to be able to have the heart of Jesus and to say, I don't want to see you like that. I don't want you in that condition. And so I'm going to do everything I can and learn everything I can so that you don't have to live in that condition. And you're going to run into people like that every day. I listened to a testimony today about miraculous, miraculous things God's doing in the earth. And I was listening to this man named James Maloney and he was giving a testimony about he being translated to a country, Uzbekistan. He drove in a car. He got translated over there, drove in a car for an hour one way, an hour the other way, and then walked and found these people had been born again, but they did not know anything about healing. And they some of the children had stepped on landmines. He said they were devastated. These people were so sick and that some of the little children had no limbs. And he said uh, when he got there, he looked around and thought, I'm here all by myself and I don't even know where I'm at. And he looked around and Jesus was standing over there and him and Jesus for three hours ministered to the people. And he said, legs didn't grow out. He said, they appeared. Poof. Limbs did not grow out. They appeared. Poof. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, every time we stretch and I'm like, man, we are big believers. Then I hear something like that and I go, oh my word, you mean I got to stretch some more? I got to get my faith out there a whole nother... I mean, when God said nothing is impossible and when He talks in Psalms about us not putting any limitation on Him. But I had Him in my little box and I had kind of gotten where David Hogan prayed and they prayed for two weeks and the limb grew a little more and a little more. And I was there. I was completely there. And then I heard about that and I'm like, ah, oh, Jesus, you are awesome. You are wonderful, Lord. I tell you, I'm sure if before the month's out, we'll be hearing something else. We'll go, well... My, my, my. How, you know. <laughs> Glory to God. We were talking about the woman in, at Canaan, the woman that didn't have a covenant with God. Uh, some people call her the Syrophoenician woman. Isn't that what they call her? She came and said, Cried unto him, Have mercy on me, Lord, for thou, son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. You know, the one he answered not a word, and he said, that he didn't give the children's bread to the little dog. And she stood up to Jesus and said, even I get to eat the crumbs 
from the master's table. This is interesting. We've said, well, you'd have to be a Christian to use your faith for somebody else to get healed. But this lady showed us that someone who's not even a Christian can have faith for someone else. Someone who's not even a Christian. And you know, that could happen in the healing rooms. We could have somebody not even a Christian bring in somebody to be healed. We need to say that out here right now so that we don't say, oh, you know, they're not even Christian. In Ephesians 1.3, we're going to cover that in a minute, so I'm going to go on. Understanding authority is the key to walking in faith. Understanding authority, we know that, but I'm just reminding you tonight. Understanding authority is the key to walking in faith. This Syrophoenician woman, this Canaanite woman, she did not waver or back off. She pressed the matter. She got what she came for. Only two people who were ever told by Jesus that they had great faith and we don't even know their names. Is that amazing? Hallelujah. And we know they were not born again. Someone must have faith. Really, remember that many times Jesus said, according to thy faith, be it unto you. And any time in the Bible Jesus saw someone demonstrate faith, He commended it. And there are many examples in the Bible of Jesus healing a third party. So someone comes for someone else. My servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy. My little daughter is vexed with the devil. The point here we need to make is we always have to be in faith. If you're going to minister to somebody at work, be in faith and push with your faith. That means from down in here. That doesn't mean up here. That means from down in here. Take all the faith that you have, and it doesn't take but mustard seed size, but take all you have and push with your faith. And then if you are being prayed for, and certainly if you're in this church and then you get prayed for, you're going to have some faith. Some people that come in may not have any faith, but you're going to have some. But if you're having to be prayed for, myself or anybody else included, what we're saying is, for some reason, I need some help with my faith right here. I need you to put your faith with mine. When we come to be prayed for, we need to not just pass out in the chair and go into soaking mode, we need to also engage our faith and pull with our faith. So it's a push-pull, and we want to be the ones like Jesus said. I may be asking Garland to pray for me. I want Jesus to say, man, you had great faith, Debbie. You know, when you're getting prayed for, does not mean you don't have great faith. You're just getting somebody to help you push or pull that on over hallelujah, and also helping you to deal with anything you may not be seeing as far as the enemy attacking or coming against us, okay? So we have this push-pull thing. Healing can be ministered to us by someone operating in Christian authority. If I want to get prayed for, I want to get prayed for by somebody that I know they know they have authority. So that's what we want to be for the people that come to this healing center. And we might run into this at Healing Center, I'm not sure, where someone would stand in proxy for another person that is not there. Now, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I didn't like this at all. And I think I've even said in the church many long years ago, I don't like this standing in for people. I used to think like that till I read the Bible. 
I had read the Bible back then, but I hadn't seen it. But now I'm seeing it. And what I see in the Bible that this woman that didn't have a covenant, she came for her little daughter. And the centurion who did not have a covenant, he came for his servant. Then you could come for somebody and stand in proxy for them. Or we might not even have to stay it that way. But we can have faith for a person who's absent. And sometimes it might even be easier for me to pray for somebody that's absent because you cannot see the opposition. And this is a thing that I have to get past. Okay, I'm praying for you and uh, you might have a scowl on your face. I need to block those kind of things out. If I'm judging why you have a scowl on your face, I may assume it's like, well, you don't like me or you don't like women praying for you. And so all of a sudden, this is hurting my faith. So these things that hurt our faith, we need to block out because that hurts my faith. Or if I think, well, boy, they're mad. They're not glad they're here. And they're sure not believing God. But that might not be the truth. And you know what? Even if it was the truth, it won't make any difference to God. And remember that man at Bethel who said, now, don't nobody touch me. Don't nobody touch me. You can pray, but nobody touch me. So in Bethel, in their healing rooms, children participate because they've been trained. And that's my dream, that we'll have children participating at the Tuscaloosa Prayer and Healing Center. And remember the little kid didn't get the message not to touch him and uh, came by and touched him and he fell off into the floor. Wasn't he healed of stage four cancer or something uh, to that effect? We listened to that testimony one time. So God gets past what people are thinking. So we need to get past it. Just block it out. And uh, that's something for me to learn and something for me to understand. Phone prayers work. I need to mention that. I've heard of a lot of testimonies where they're having a service and the people are getting healed. And so somebody comes up and says, I'm believing for my sister to get healed. They say, okay, let's pray. And they say, well, she's on the phone right here. And they prayed for it and uh, she got healed immediately. Instant healing over the phone. So praise God. Taking all the limits off, aren't we? Taking all the limits off of God. Praise the Lord for that. I like that. Turn to Luke 10. Luke 10, 8, 9. And into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, eat such things that are set before you, and heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. So we can make a case here that we can heal first and talk about the kingdom and their salvation second. We can make a case for this. And we know that Jesus... Many times, not all the time, because sometimes it was he was in the field and he was preaching, and the Bible says he went about preaching and teaching and healing the sick. But sometimes he just walked up like at the pool of Bethesda and starts ministering healing, and then he preached the gospel to them after he got them healed. So we can make a case for that. But now there are many people that will tell you you have to get them saved first before they can be healed. But hallelujah, we know that Jesus was able to get this Canaanite woman healed before salvation was even available. He was able to get many people healed before he went to the cross and salvation was available. All people healed before he went to the cross. We can also do that. We can get people healed who don't have a covenant. Praise God. You have a covenant. I'll just read this to you. If the sick had to have faith to be healed... And faith comes by hearing the Word of God. 
they should have to preach first, then heal. So if we believe they have to have faith for them to be healed, which is good for people to have faith, but we don't believe they have to have faith because we're going on our faith, remember? But if healing is a sign of God's goodness that draws people to repentance and is affected by authority and dominion over sickness and devils, then believers can heal first and tell them how they were healed. And so this is especially good to know when you are out in the highways and hedges and you're in the mall and you're down at Starbucks and you just see somebody, you can just walk over and start praying for the sick and you don't know where they're at as far as salvation. It's a sign to them of God's goodness and His goodness draws them to repentance. Hallelujah. Praise God. Just thought of another testimony I heard, which this one on. This might get you too. This hippie drug user guy got saved. This was with James Maloney also. He got saved. He'd been saved about two weeks and he came to a James Maloney meeting. And he came to the meeting and he came up and he was just crying. And he was just like, I'm just so embarrassed because he had needle marks all up his arms and he had tattoos, demonic tattoos all over his body. And he said, I am so embarrassed and I want to serve Jesus. I'm so thankful I got saved. And so, and all the needle marks disappeared out of his arms completely. He says, but what about the tattoos? James Maloney said, well, just go home and uh, just trust the Lord and Hallelujah. Just watch what God's going to do. The next morning he gets up and he's brushing his teeth, hadn't even thought. And all of a sudden, just poof, every tattoo on his body is gone. Which I know there's people in this church that have had words of knowledge. There's going to come a time when tattoos are disappearing off of people. And you know, there are a lot of people that need to get some tattoos off. I don't believe in tattoos at all, but it's one thing to have a butterfly and it's another thing to have a a devil and <laughs> horns. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and worse. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. So uh, we're going to need some healing. <laughs> this revival that's coming through, we're going to need some healing for those things. I want to go to something else now and talk about some of the more details about healing the sick. Just some reminders to you. You know, a good while ago we studied in great depth about word of knowledge and how to receive a word of knowledge. If you need a review on that, in that Randy Clark book that you're assigned to read, there's a whole chapter on word of knowledge. And that's one of the things in Tuscaloosa Prayer and Healing Center that we want to be aware of, we want to still keep believing for. We're going to need word of knowledge to get everything done that was going to need to be done. And so be aware of that when praying for people. And if you have a word of knowledge come to you, go with it. Even if the person says, no, I don't have that. If you say, well, ma'am, do you have this? And they say, no, trust your word of knowledge and pray anyway. For one thing, God wants to deliver people from things that are coming sometimes that aren't there. Sometimes there's something operating in their body that they don't even know about yet. They just are not aware of it. And then sometimes people are so 
focused on one thing in their body that they want to get healed. It's like, oh yeah, that don't bother me. But a lot of times it's connected, especially if there's a spirit of infirmity. It can be all connected to each other. So trust your words of knowledge. Uh, remember the rule of threes. You know, the rule of threes is if there's one thing or two things in their body, there's probably three. That was something Curry Blake taught us. So remember the rule of th threes. And especially if you're praying for one thing, let's say they fill out their sheet and they say, well, this is what's hurting. And you're praying for that one thing and it's not budging, nothing's budging, nothing's moving, then that is a telltale sign that there's something else there operating and you have not found the root of it yet and you need to be believing God and listening for word of knowledge. It's word of knowledge, not paragraph of knowledge. It's not like, well, this lady, you know, she uh, did this and she did that. It can be just like a little impression of, well, pray for her arm. And you know, it's even funny. I think we had this happen here recently where we were praying for somebody and we're praying for some, I don't even remember what we're praying for, a neck or whatever, and their arm is warm or something. So we bless what God's blessing. Don't forget, even in our healing center, to have them try something or to move something. Can you move your neck and to gauge them? Remember the 1 to 10, is anything changed? Remember to say, is anything happening in your body anywhere? And they say, well, I feel heat on my hand, or I feel this, or I feel that. It's important to find out something that's happening. Remember, we come entirely from the position of divine healing. Divine healing is not God touching the surgeon's hands. That is not divine healing. It is healing, and God will help the surgeon's hands, but that is not divine healing. And in the Tuscaloosa Prayer and Healing Center, we're coming strictly from the position of Jesus, the healer, divine healing, and that's the only way. So we do not give any medical advice, none at all, including advice on medication. And they may ask you, what should I do with my medication? talk to your doctor about that. Or don't tell someone to see a doctor. Now I will say as a pastor, people have come to me before and as pastor I've said, you need to go to the doctor. I would do that as pastor. I know you, I know where your face at, I know, and I don't want to lose you. I may say, I've been to the doctor with people before. Hallelujah. And the doctor said, ask the girl that I went with, this was in Seminole, he, he said, is that your bodyguard? <laughs> But she was afraid, and I went with her. Hallelujah. That was what a pastor would do. But that's not what Tuscaloosa Prayer and Healing Center would do, is to say to go to the doctor. If they say, well, should I go to the doctor? You just need to say, well, ma'am, you just have to let the Lord tell you what to do. I couldn't tell you. Something to that effect. We don't make suggestions of herbs or vitamins or supplements or essential oils. We don't advise them to drink more water or less water, to eat green leafy vegetables, or to exercise. We don't give that kind of advice. These are very important things because when we do that, for one thing, it's really a sign we're not in faith. Because it's like, I don't think you can do it, Jesus. I think they're going to have to eat some green leafy vegetables first before they can be filled. Or it's really kind of a judgment. I'm judging that you have a bad diet. And so we don't want to put out any judgment against what people have done. We don't want to because Jesus didn't. And so I want to talk to you about weight loss tonight.
This is a very big temptation. There's a lot of people overweight anymore. In fact, the statistics are pretty high for that all over, but in Alabama, they're high for being overweight. Here's what we need to do. When it comes, somebody gets in our chair and maybe they're really overweight. You have to not let your mind go there because when you let your mind go to how much they weigh or, boy, they're really overweight, your faith will leave. And all of a sudden, you won't have faith for that person anymore. And God wants you to have faith for them. When we put a condition on their healing, even if we don't say it, it's in our mind. Well, like the condition of losing weight, or if you would get some exercise, or if you would drink more water every day. When we put a condition on their healing, we're getting over there in unbelief, and we're not identifying with Jesus. The Bible says Jesus went out, many times it says He healed them all. And when He did that, He didn't put any condition on anyone. He didn't put any spiritual condition on them. And we know there was bound to be some people in sin. And you know, there was probably some people that were overweight. There was probably some that were smoking something. I don't know about tobacco, but you know, throughout all the ages, from day one, right after Adam fell, man has found something to put in his mouth and smoke. Ever since we've discovered fire, I mean, they're going to smoke on a limb. They're going to smoke on something. <laughs> Hallelujah. When we begin to go there, maybe we know they're a smoker and we're going to be asked to pray for their lungs, for emphysema or worse. I mean, it's all horrible. So we don't let our mind go there because we're identifying with Jesus who put no conditions on anyone. And let's just say this, if healing is in the atonement, which we already know it is, we've proved it, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, that at the same time Jesus bore our sin on the tree, He also bore our sickness at the very same time. So healing is a part of the atonement. And we do not have to get pre-qualified to be saved by changing something, by losing weight, or by changing something spiritual. Remember, we sing a hymn. Evangelical churches really sing this hymn. And it's a, just as I am, without one plea. And so when you're tempted, when you're praying for someone to say, well, you know, you got needle marks all over your arm, and you need healing for this. And when we're tempted to judge, we're just going to say that song in our heart. Just say, no, just as we are, without one plea. Hallelujah. We can come to Him for salvation. We can come to Him for healing, just as we are, because healing is in the atonement. Remember Ephesians 2 of our sight, which says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. So just like we get saved by grace, we get healed by the grace of God. So we don't have to put any conditions on anyone that they need to do this. Now, it is true. If they're coming and they have a situation that was called by we can get them completely healed of something and it may be if they keep on doing that and they don't have a lifestyle change that it comes back not comes back again immediately like my stepfather he had a blockage in his heart 
Uh, he was 80, I think, when he had open heart surgery and they cleared out a blockage. And so, you know, after you've had open heart surgery, they send the nutritionist around in the hospital to see you. When she came in, she said, Mr. Huey, how old are you? He said, I'm 80. She said, why don't you eat what you want to? Her thought was, listen, it took you 80 years to get a blocked artery. I think you'll be ready to go before it gets blocked again. <laughs> Just eat what you want to is what she told him. Probably wasn't eating anyway. We get somebody healed. My point was is it doesn't mean it's going to come back tomorrow. They don't change their lifestyle though. They may wear something out again that got restored. We don't know. And we can't judge that. And let me just tell you right now. We don't know and doctors don't know. And you could go on the internet and you could find it both ways. We don't know if what you eat does anything. One way or the other. And we don't know if coffee's good or bad. Because some days it's good and some days it's bad. You know, it just depends on what day you turn the internet on. And so I'm just like, you know, I want this coffee. You know, they say, well, you need to drink eight glasses of water a day. Now there's people that say, no, no, you don't really need to do that. That's too much. And then there's people that say, well, you need to drink eight glasses of water a day and it has to be pure water and tea don't count and all that. And then I heard a doctor on Oprah. And you know, that is authority there. You know, if it's on Oprah, this is quite many long years ago. And she said, of course, tea counts. And I'm like, yes, I'm all about this. So you can find anybody to agree with anything you say. And I've got some stuff wrote down in my little book that I'm going to say I told you so someday to some people because, you know, the best thing you can do is be in faith. Oh, you know, you don't need to drink Diet Cokes. Well, if they'd kill you, Joe Morse would be already dead. He likes them. He's not going to quit. And you can't even cast it out of him. I'm not saying they're bad for you or not bad for you. That's why God gave us a Holy Ghost. But I am saying the internet don't know. The internet don't know, and I don't think most doctors know. You know, some doctors say take vitamins. My mom's doctor in West Texas, he hates vitamins. He says, why don't you give me your money instead of flushing that down the drain every day? In other words, you're just going to the bathroom. That's all disappearing. So he's a, he's a big doctor. He don't like vitamins. Then there's doctors that say, well, take your vitamins. I'm going to tell you, be led by the Spirit. But really and truly... None of it's going to do us any good if we don't have faith. It's faith that's going to be the great equalizer. We're divine healing ministers. We're divine healing ministers. Now, you, there's a place over here on Bear Creek Road that just opened. And it's take the herb and if you have this, take more of this and drink this. And so, hallelujah. I'm not going to, but you can if you want to. So Curry Blake says there are no roadblocks to healing except the ones you believe are there. So we can make a case for there are no roadblocks to healing. But I will say this. If there's any indication of any roadblock to healing, it would be from Mark 11 where it says if you have unforgiveness in your heart towards anyone. And a lot of teachers, Randy Clark, he says you need to get that unforgiveness out of your heart and it's good it's good get unforgiveness out and if uh, we need to we're going to lead them to forgive whoever they need to forgive because it'll do them good amen so i'll read this from curry blake ephesians 1 3 we started read this while ago let's look that up ephesians 1 3 blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in christ Let's read it again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who hath blessed us, past tense, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So we've already been blessed. So I'm going to read you what Curry said. God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. We received healing when we received Him. Our job now is to drive out the enemy of God that would try to keep us from walking in our healing. And that's why we have to take authority. We don't use our authority on God. We use our authority on the devil and on people's bodies. We'll talk more about that in a minute. John 5, 14. God never qualified somebody to receive from Him by saying, well, quit sinning and I'll do something for you. But instead, in John 5, 14, the man at the pool of Bethesda, remember that? Let's go there. I want to show you something else in John 5, 14. First one. There was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda having five porches. In those lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before him. And Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Now, Jesus asked him, Will thou be made whole? The man didn't answer. He didn't say yes or, he, or no. He just gave an excuse. Look at this. Jesus completely ignored the excuse. And there's going to be people that come in possibly to a Tuscaloosa Prayer and Healing Center and some of the things they say out of their mouth, you're going to have to ignore just like Jesus did. Jesus totally ignored it and he said, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Now drop down to verse 14. And afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. This man had sin in his life. I don't know what the sin was, but he had sin. He healed him first and then told him to sin no so that's a good thing to know. Then turn to John 8 in verse 11. This is not uh, in the case of healing, but remember healing and saving or salvation came from the same death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. John 8, 11. This is the woman that was found in the very act of adultery. Verse 10, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, you know, he bent down and wrote in the dirt. Remember that? He said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He saved her from being stoned, and then he told her, Go and sin no more. So he saved her first, and then he said, Sin no more. We know. We say, Just as I am. Come up and get saved first, and then go and sin no more. Come get healed. Hallelujah. And then go sin no more. Hallelujah. So that is a good thing to know. Now, some things that are just on the practical side. Because of how we were taught and how we taught you, 
and how you learn just from listening to us. There's habits that we need to break because they don't line up with what we know now and what we understand now from the scriptures, from Randy Clark, from Curry Blake. And one of the th habits we need to break, don't want to offend you, boy, I am working to break these habits in my life, is to break the habit of praying thank you prayers. Because thank you prayers are not asking for anything. And we started praying thank you prayers when we were told, if you pray twice, you're praying the second time in unbelief. Which Curry Blake says, that's the worst thing Smith Wigglesworth ever said. Smith Wigglesworth was an awesome man, had an awesome ministry, but that was simply not the truth. It is not the truth. You are not in unbelief just because you pray twice. Depends on what he meant. And sometimes things get taken out of context. Did he mean we're not supposed to beg God? We don't beg God. But if he was meaning that, then maybe we could apply it that way. But to just say, Kathleen, don't ever get prayed for again for something in your body. We may have got you 50% healed the other night, but you're just going to have to live with the 50%. That would be totally crazy that we could not pray for her again because that would make us all in unbelief. When we heard that though, we began to pray thank you prayers. And so instead of asking, we just, well, thank you, Lord, that they're healed. Thank you, Lord, you bore their stripes. Well, that is not going to do anything. First of all, it's not taking authority. Secondly, you know, God doesn't need us to quote Scripture to Him. He knows it all <laughs> better than we do. And really, as I've examined it in my own heart, it's just delaying pulling the trigger because we're really not confident. It just shows that we're not confident in pulling the trigger of declaring, decreeing, taking our authority. And so we need to break that habit of saying, thank you, Lord. It's not asking for anything. So it's impossible for God to answer our prayer if we're not asking anything. We're just quoting scripture at Him. Now, when I'm praising the Lord, I might say, Lord, your praise is continually in my mouth. I praise you, O God. I'm decreeing scripture in my praise. I may even turn to Psalm 150 or whatever and declare scripture in my praise. But if I'm asking for something, I just need to ask and not pray the thank you prayers. And then another thing is just speaking scripture over the person. That's not going to change their body to speak scripture over them. And this is one of the th reasons that we begin to have a lot uh, less success in the body of Christ. And we were talking about this with Pastor Avery one night about two months ago. And we began to discuss this and just talking it out and everything. And he said, you know, I have different results in Russia than I do in America. He said, I have tremendous healings happen in my ministry in Russia. He began to tell us how sometimes he's had to pray for people and his interpreter was not there that night. He can't even ask them what's wrong with them because he doesn't speak Russian and they don't speak English. And so he's just having to take his authority and command and decree and declare and not even knowing what's wrong with them, saying, be healed in Jesus' name. And he said the next night, getting all the testimonies of all the people that got healed. And sometimes the more we say, we're just talking ourselves into unbelief. You know, so uh, that's a good thing to know. And then when we pray, we need to make sure, and we've all done this, that we don't pray preach. 
you know, if I want to tell you something, Garland, I need to just stand before you at the healing things and tell you. Now Jesus bore your sickness instead of getting you over in prayer and saying, now, uh, Lord, uh, we know you want to heal this person and we know that this is your will and, you know, I'm just, I'm not praying, I'm preaching to you. And, you know, so uh, we may talk to them a little bit and we may give them a little encouragement of uh, like we talked about, we did it one night where we turned in some scriptures, and you don't have to turn in the scripture every time, but you'll have your Bible there. Especially the leader will have their Bible there. If you need to turn in the scripture, if you feel like it's somebody that needs to know that Jesus bore their sicknesses, then. You'll be led by the Spirit in that. So we don't preach, pray. And that's a good idea even in intercessory prayer and stuff that we don't preach, pray our prayers. God doesn't need us to preach to Him. He doesn't need us to tell Him what Scriptures we know. He knows what Scriptures we know. He knows that. He's okay. As long as we're growing, He's okay. Hallelujah. We need to remember when we're praying to invite the Holy Spirit. This came out of Randy Clark. Invite the Holy Spirit to come and minister to the person first thing. And the reason I like this is because the Holy Spirit will come on them and begin to move on their body. And if they sense something happening in their body, whether it has to do with healing or not, then they will immediately, it will encourage them. It will raise their faith level and they will be encouraged. Plus, their chances are great majority of people have never really experienced the anointing and what it feels like that they knew of. They may have experienced it not knowing what it is. But if you pray, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and just bless this person and minister to this person. Okay. And then release life into their body. We're not going to preach praying. We're not going to quote scriptures. Hallelujah. And if you forget, this is not law. This is just suggestions that are going to be more effective. Release life into their body. Command healing. We command healing. I command healing to come. That's getting out there with your authority. I command healing come to this body. I command healing to come to this person's heart. Command body parts to do what you want them to do. Like, in other words, specifically, like heart, I command you to beat in perfect rhythm. Heart, you get into perfect rhythm right now in Jesus' name. So that's commanding body parts command spirits or demons to go. And I looked up in the New Testament. I just typed in spirit of. And I found spirit of infirmity, spirit of unclean devil, spirit of divination. I hope we don't have to go there, but if necessary. Spirit of fear, spirit of the world, spirit of antichrist, spirit of error. And then pastor talked Sunday about the dumb spirit. And did you notice when he read that passage of Scripture where it said that Jesus cast out the dumb spirit and it said that it was off it, threw him into the fire. Is it interesting? I would have thought a dumb spirit was just you can't talk. But Jesus cast out a dumb spirit for somebody that seemed like they're having seizures. That's interesting. So we, we could speak to any of these spirits, but most of them, spirit of infirmities, a dumb spirit perhaps, we're going to have to be led by the Holy Ghost, aren't we? So that's my next point is listen to the Holy Ghost. Say what you hear your father saying. And that doesn't mean that you hear a booming voice. That means you hear, you may hear neck. Well, then you say, I speak healing to the neck. And do what you see your father doing. 
That means you see yourself doing something. Eric said Sunday morning, I saw myself lay hands on a net. And I saw myself do that. Well, that's seeing what your father's doing. And then another thing about that is keeping our eyes open so that if God's doing something on their body, we got our eyes shut and they may be sitting there like this, shaking. Well, hey, if they're sitting there like that and they're just shaking all over, God's doing something. And we need to see what our father's doing. And Randy Clark talks about it this way. If I see what God's doing because I got my eyes open and I can tell God's doing something because somebody's twitching or... I don't know what, it, I can get direction of what to pray and know God if I've got my eyes open. And that's something habit I have to break is closing my eyes. Well, another good idea, a really good thing is to ask permission to somebody you don't know, ask permission before laying on them hands. If you're in the mall or if you're at prayer and healing center or whatever, if you're at work, it's a good idea to not just walk up there and Put your hands on them, but to say, would it be okay if I put my hand on your shoulder? Or could you take my hand? Because you can just take their hand. We talked about that night. We actually practiced that where I said to Pamela, I said, so-and-so and so-and-so behind you, they're going to put their hands on your shoulders. Is that okay with you? Of course they're going to say yes. But that just prepares them. That way they're not jumpy. Hallelujah. Does anybody have any questions tonight? Yes, and everybody that's all three, that's a good point because we had not covered that. But yes, you would say, I'm Melissa, and this is Anita, and this is Garland, or whoever's in the group. And so introduce them. And we're really glad you came and let us to let us pray. You can make some conversation to start with. And yeah, I see on your sheet that you're believing for your back to be healed. Have you been to the doctor about this? And if they say no... Well, you, but if they say yes, you can ask them, and we're going to have this. Well, what was your diagnosis? What was the doctor's diagnosis? And, you know, that's going to help you to know if, do you know what disc it is? Is it L3, L4? Do you know? Sometimes they'll say no, especially if it's just something getting started and they're wanting to knock it out. And, you know, then you can say, okay, is it upper or lower back? You can go there. But we don't want to give them a diagnosis. But a lot of times people, if I had gotten prayer a few years ago, I would have told you, my hips hurt. I would have said, my hip is hurting. But when I went to the doctor, he said, that doesn't have anything to do with your hip. It's disc L4 and L5. It's referred pain. Now that's what the doctor said. So that's my point. That makes my point that... People sometimes don't know what's wrong with them. So if they say, pray for my hip, but you feel led to pray for their back too, then do it. Because they may not know what's wrong with them, which I didn't, but God knows. So you be led by the Spirit with the word of knowledge. So anybody else have a question? That was good questions. So we want to be as relaxed as we would be right in here. If we're in here together, we're relaxed. And so that's going to be that we have to figure out how to get relaxed with people. Just being bold. I sent Eric a link and Anita a link this weekend to uh, a testimony that was, uh, it actually wasn't a testimony, it was uh, Bethel has these five podcasts that are called Activate. And I think it was number two was this girl named Stephanie. She was super bold as far as going out and ministering. And she was the one that Pastor talked about being in the emergency room. And she said, oh, my passion is emergency rooms. I just love emergency rooms. There is just, oh, there's so many people to heal in emergency. I'm like, 
Oh, hallelujah. I'm just, she was refreshing. And so, but she was all about that. And, you know, sometimes a spirit of rejection. And I have been, oh, like, oh, I don't want to be rejected and everything. And she said, you need to just get out there and get rejected so many times that you don't care anymore. And I'm like, well, you know, you can get delivered from rejection or you can just get out there and just get where I don't care. I've been rejected by better than you. And so um, in this case, remember, they're coming to us. They want something.